0: Welcome to the virtual roundtable leading through a crisis, what we learned and how to apply it, sponsored by Matrix Fitness. Before we get started, I'd like to share a message from our sponsor. Matrix wants to thank you for tuning in today. As a Total Solutions partner that's there every step of the way, Matrix is committed to the well-being of your members and the future of your business. Thank you, Matrix Fitness, for being a part of the 2020 Club Solutions Virtual Summit. Blair, go ahead and take it away.
1: All right, welcome everybody. I'm Blair McCaney. I am CEO of MXM and also President of Confluence Fitness Partners, and happy to be working with Club Solutions and especially talking about leadership, which is one of my uh, one of my favorite topics and an area that I, I love to uh, learn and read and study uh, in this in this space. So I'm going to go around the room, have each of our panelists introduce themselves, give us just a, a little bit about their role in their company. And Maria, I'm going to start with you.
2: Hi, everybody. My name is Maria Gonzalez. I am the CEO of Club Fitness Greensboro in North Carolina.
1: Thanks, Maria. Deslin.
0: Hi, everyone. My name is Deslin Norris. I'm the Chief People Officer for Fitness Connection, and we're based in uh, Texas.
1: Thanks, Deslin. You guys are also in, uh, have some in Nevada and North Carolina, too, right? But home office in Texas. Yep. Yes, right. our meals. Yes. Very good.
3: Lisa. Hi, my name is Lisa Gorsline. I'm the president and general manager of the Corpus Christi Athletic Club in Corpus Christi,
4: Texas. Thank you, Lisa. Kent. Hi, Ryan. <clears throat> Hello, I'm Kent Stevens. I'm the Executive Vice President for Matrix Fitness. Thanks, Kent. Chris. Yeah.
5: Uh, Chris Stevenson, uh, the founder of Stevenson Consulting, and happy to say we just launched a new brand called Be Military Fit California, where we're partnering with uh, the UK's leading outdoor fitness brand and bringing it to the US. Yeah,
1: th- you know, that, by the way, I think that's a pretty exciting, I think that's really neat. I'm I'm eager to, you know, see how that rolls out here because I think there's a great opportunity with that right now for you, Chris. Mm-hmm. So, uh, managing through crisis um, and leading through crisis. So, it seems that um, Things are a crisis, you know, because we don't see them coming, right? And so, oftentimes, we're not we're not really prepared for that particular crisis. And the nature of this crisis, there's a lot of facets to it that probably could stand on their own as, as their own crisis. But um, leaders can be prepared to be prepared. In other words, how we how we think in going into a crisis what we know about crisis management or the mentorship that we may have had previous or even during the crisis so I want to I want to start right there because I think mentorship is such a huge part of growing as a leader I'm going to start right there and Maria I'm going to start with you and uh, tell us is there anybody in particular and and a little bit about what you may have learned from a mentor that helped you during this crisis
2: um, so I do have a close friend and a mentor of mine that I have been working with for um, several years. Um, his name is Mike Weaver. He is a business local businessman. Um, he is in the hotel, restaurant, um, real estate, um, investment, and he also is a philanthropist. So I have been um, very inspired by his work and the way that he handles you know like his business and his, his life and the way that he wants to impact but I think like through this crisis learning about health clubs and hotels and restaurants that we have been affected you know in a very similar way um, has been a person that I have been able to reach out to and bounce off ideas and ask questions and unload some of the fears and frustrations and um, just be able to have that sound voice or have that wise voice um, that comes, you know, like during a time of crisis has been extremely helpful.
1: So he's, so he's been a mentor even before the crisis and then you're able to lean on him, you know, uh, during this crisis. And I think yeah, there's a there's a there's an Abraham Lincoln quote that says I'm a success today because I had a friend who believed in me and I didn't have the heart to let him down. Right. And I think that's oftentimes what a, you know, what a good, what a a good mentor does. Lisa, Lisa, what about you as far as a mentor?
3: Um, I actually have a team of mentors. It's my senior management team. Um, Most of them are new to the industry or new to management. And during this crisis, They just came out of nowhere and stepped up to the plate. And my administrative assistant, Danielle, she just got into management, and she is part of the senior team, and I am able to just be very transparent with them when we feel like something's not right on the team. We have an open forum, it's in a safe environment, and we talk about it. Um, We share our feelings and at that point we let it go and we're able to move on. And I can say my senior management team and Danielle, we have grown very strong and very effective during this time of opportunity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's probably solidified that relationship a lot more, and probably, you know, and th- that's the kind of thing that actually gets you prepared for the for the next crisis as well, right? How these leaders, how, how you're able to work with the leadership team, and hopefully, hopefully have some continuity as you as we roll through this and whatever is going to happen in the next six months. That may appear as another as another crisis potentially in the next six months. Good point. Yeah. Deslin, how do you guys think about mentorship and maybe mentor for yourself, but also as chief people officer at Fitness Connection? Is that like an ingrained part of focus on on a leadership development for you guys?
0: Yeah, so um, interesting in that we really look at um, two things, mentorship, and then we also look at sponsorship. So at Fitness Connection, you know, obviously mentorship is having a mirror, so to speak, to reflect, you know, how are you doing and getting that feedback. But we also like to really focus on sponsorship. So who is it that you have in your corner really speaking on your behalf when you're not even in the room? Um, So, you know, that is what I see really that's come to the forefront in this crisis is that there have been um, a lot of leaders that have just responded in a way that's been so much different, so powerful. Really being empowered um, to speak what's on their mind, voice their opinion, and we've had a lot of sponsors um, really um, appreciating that and asking, you know, for additional guidance. So, um, you know, personally, you know, I consider uh, I had the opportunity when I was previously before coming to Fitness Connection, I was at Top Golf where I went through five ceos in six years so i had an opportunity to really see you know what kind of leader you know i'd like to be when you have that many ceos in that time frame Um, and so one of my mentors was ken may who was uh, my longest serving ceo Um, and then currently um my current uh, ceo at fitness connection i mean both of them have done things like you know make sure that you're always transparent um, you say things even when it's not popular. so um, it's just been really a great opportunity for me to get a lot of those key traits.
1: Yeah, you know it's, it's interesting. Um, I work with a, a, a group that does leadership training and they, they have this exercise that they take you through where. Um, like you, you think about the worst boss you ever had and then you and then you write down all of what what was the dinner conversation that you would have about that. About that boss, and that goes over here, and then you think about the best boss you ever had, and what was, what were the things you would talk about at dinner with your family over here, and then they take you through this exercise of, you know, how do you want to be seen as a leader, and then how do you get there, and it's it's really an interesting exercise, and you know, sometimes when you when you roll through a lot of leaders, there's reasons that companies roll through roll through a lot of leaders, and yeah, you know, can't you've been how long have you been in Matrix? Uh, 19 years since the day one wow wow so tell us about that and and maybe mentors uh
4: through that uh through that time that have really helped and what you've learned you know as I, I was thinking about that as everybody's been sharing their experiences um i'm not sure if there's been any one particular mentor but i think there's been a lot of people that have been very influential on in the way that uh, uh things that i've learned and have inspired me along the way um and i think right now i have to say that our uh our executive team, Uh, As a whole, have been uh, a great source to lean on, especially during this time right now, to to basically share some of our thoughts and ideas on how we should be proceeding forward. Um, But I tend to typically, uh, you know, like to listen. I like to listen to a lot of people and see what their thoughts are, and it actually helps inspire me on the direction that I need to be uh, taking with leading my team, the sales team, uh, with Matrix. So I'd say the executive team has been very influential. Uh, It's funny enough. I I record Mad Money with Jim Kramer, and uh, he always interviews uh, CEOs. And it's interesting to listen to those because there's a common sound, you know, a a soundbite there. Um, They all typically have of those leaders, and it's something that I listen for, and uh, it helps me along the way too to actually know the direction I should be uh, leading my team with.
1: What you said, they the common?
4: What is the What I mean, did you, I can you? what is the uh, there's, a, there's kind of a common thread of of what the sound bites that those different CEOs use of of things they talk about in their leadership with their companies and these are various different industries so it's not just one industry it's all the different industries and they all seem to have similar traits characteristics and things they talk about.
1: Yeah, I watched I watch CNBC quite a bit in the morning, and they've uh, done a great job during this of interviewing some of the top CEOs, you know, of, of some of the biggest companies uh, in the world during this. And it is it is pretty it is pretty impressive how some of the leaders continue to lead, right? I mean, I mean they are they're very good about making creating clarity around where they think their company is going to be coming out of this, and. So you are sort of hitting on that, you know, mentorship can come from a lot of places. And I do think it's important sometimes, like well, yeah, I, do, I do, you know, as do uh, you guys, you know, yep, a lot of speaking. And sometimes I'll be watching somebody speak and I get dialed into like almost lost, the, not necessarily the information they're giving, but how they're presenting, right? Mm-hmm. And how they're, because they're, you know, somebody that communicates very well and and how they present. and. Uh, Chris, so in consulting, people are probably leaning on you as a mentor quite a bit, I would think.
5: Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting as I listen to everybody and thought about the question more. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit of a different route, but I, I had the pleasure. I used to work in executive wellness, and I worked with a gentleman named Dr. Robert Mauer, and he specialized in communication and stress management and, and these different aspects. And, you know, this period of time defines us as leaders. Nobody's necessarily going to, not that you don't pick up good things during the good times, but no one's ever going to forget how you reacted and how you treated and the action you took when this was such an unpredictable, massive crisis. And so there's anxiety that comes with that. So with myself in the middle of launching a brand new company, and then the you know other companies that I'm working with, uh, a lot of anxiety. So I reached out to Dr. Maurer specifically, and um, what's interesting is anxiety, stress, and fear, and he wrote a great book called, uh, it's called Managing Fear but it was, he's like, it boils down to three things. The unknown, something's out of your control, or you don't feel like you're good enough or you can handle something. And he's like, if you look at any aspect of fear in your life, it boils down to one or a combination of those three things. Unfortunately, with the crisis that we're in right now, I think it's all three things, right? We don't know, um, things are out of our control. And uh, we're wondering, am I even capable of navigating this? So great conversation with him. um, And interestingly enough, what people do and I, I, I've known this information for years, but you need that reboot once in a while from a mentor um, is, is a whole list of things that people do to deal with this stuff. One is they withdraw or they get angry or you know, rely on alcohol and drugs that there's all these bad responses that just don't really help. And his big secret for surviving you know, this anxiety and fear under those three reasons is simply be honest and reach out for support. So it's just something to remember as, as we're going through. Sometimes leaders feel like I got to be the toughest guy in the room and it's, it's, it's me against the world, which is a great song by Tupac, but not really great advice. Uh, the real advice is, you know, reach out to these different mentors. You know, our industry is an incredibly networked industry with people that are so willing to help each other, especially now. So, you know, as a leader, I had to remind myself that, you know, I'm not in this alone. And the number one thing you can do in these anxious and stressful situations is simply reach out for support.
1: Yeah, boy, I tell you, and I, I mean, we've all talked about it during this entire crisis, just how much support there's been in this industry. And I i, I think that it doesn't matter who you are as a leader, you know, There, there there's times and, and there are a lot of times you just feel inadequate. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to shift gears here. So any of you talk to me about tell me about um, maybe times when you felt, God, am I am I up for this? And then how you and then how you got past it how you got past it to continue to lead and instill confidence let's start jump in there lisa
3: sure um i'm part of a rex roundtable group and through the crisis we've still been meeting virtually of course um every tuesday and there was this one tuesday maybe four weeks ago where i just had a meltdown in front of my 19 or 20 peers and i have to say that was probably the first time i cried during this whole crisis and i can't tell you how much better i felt after i just got that off my shoulders and talk to a group of people that were experiencing the exact same thing I'm experiencing, um, but yet they were there for me, and they lifted me up, and they they followed up with me, you know, a week and two weeks after it. And I just encourage, you know, because anybody that's gone through it to reach out to somebody or or, or your peers because. It's hard being on top because we don't have anybody to talk to. And we have set the example and we have to be happy and we have to, you know, have everything together for for our employees because they're looking at us during a time of crisis to have direction for them and to have guidance. And let's face it, none of us have done this before. So um, reach out to people. I just encourage you to do that.
1: Ah, yeah. Yeah. Outstanding. And Maria, what about,
2: what about you? Like my head right now is going into so many different directions. <laughs> so I, um, you know, I think I have a group of friends, I would say colleagues now that, um, Chris is part of, um, you know, that we have been a supporting system, gosh, during like, these crisis, 24, 25. I don't even remember, like, you know, like, when did we start? We started like the first week when the crisis started, there's people from all around the country. And then, you know, just Lisa, just as you, you know, I think we come and we talk about business and we talk about, you know, what are the things that we're seeing around the world. Uh, But then we go to that personal and we are transparent with each other and we're honest and we're vulnerable and we, bring ourselves as that, you know, leader that needs support and um, and we lean on each other and we have been helping, you know, each other throughout the time. I don't know if we have cried yet, yes. but uh, <laughs> but I have to say we, um, we have put ourselves out there, like, you know, open and just, you know, that there are times that we don't know what is that the next step. We bring frustrations. And I have to also say, um, my family, my husband, my son. Um, there are times that I'm like, I just need a hug. I just need, I need to have that rock that is gonna just keep me pushing through it, um, because I have to be strong for everybody else. So sometimes I need to have that rock that is gonna give me that that push and say, yes, you can do it. And we're going to just be able to get through this challenging in time. But it's not about you. It's about everybody else that is coming with you.
1: You know, in, bo- in both of those, you're, there's an outlet, right? I mean, it's what it seems like to me in, in one. And I know the group that you're talking about. I've been on there once or twice. But <laughs> but it is an outlet. I mean, it's just it's a place for you to kind of center yourself and, you know, kind of shed the leadership role for a minute and just, you know, you know be be a peer for a little bit right i mean that's like one of the greatest feelings sometimes when you've had to kind of keep pushing and pushing as a leader and then just let me take a deep breath and just uh not have to make a bunch of decisions here for a little bit or let me let me express how i'm feeling about you know about where we are right now and chris go ahead you were gonna you were gonna add something
5: yeah i was gonna add to maria um where she said she's got to be strong in order to be strong for other people and i think self-care at this point in time is more important than it's ever been because you're absolutely right maria Um, You know, I like when people, you know, people say, man, I can get by on four hours of sleep. I'm like, great, you can get by. I want to see you perform at a high level. So, you know, making sure you are getting adequate sleep, that you're taking time to get outside, to exercise and and do whatever it is that you need to be the best you. I think it's in order to be selfless, you have to be a little selfish, right? You you have to be the best you You can be on all levels to be great for other people. And that's sort of on a tactical note for myself anyway, when I get in these situations where I feel like I can't handle this or I get overwhelmed. I literally get to take paper, pen uh, pen to paper, and I say, okay, let's really think about the stuff that's really stressing me out and making me anxious and worried right now. And I make a list of all the different things. And then I make sub bullets under of small steps I can take instantaneously that will make a difference. So I might not be able to solve the problem or get out of the mess or whatever it is, but at least I can tell myself, okay, I am chipping away at it. I am doing, accomplishing something, which then leads to more confidence because I'm having these little victories. So sort of the, the big issue than a small step approach to slowly take those things off my plate. And that tends to make me feel a ton better in those situations.
1: Yeah, God, I, I think that's so true. You don't, if you feel like you can't take a big step forward, take a half a step, take a quarter step, remember that reading is an action. You know, if there's something you you don't know that reading
4: is action, mm-hmm. can't, what do you add to do that? Well, I think that it, uh, In my opinion, it's pretty easy to be a positive leader when things are going well. I mean, you just have a few bumps in the road, just like we normally do business. Um, But right now it has been more challenging because this is uh, the prolonged uh, um, crisis that we're in, has forced everybody to actually uh, really dig down deep within themselves. I think one thing that's helped me out is just knowing our mission as our company. And it's really basically what we're about as a manufacturer is to to actually have solutions for our customers, which which are the fitness facilities. So I think that um, that's been helping me, just basically staying focused, and our team staying focused on what we're doing. Is just knowing that we're really there to actually help others, and as much as it affects us as a manufacturer too, is you know times are slower now as far as uh, purchasing equipment, that kind of thing. But um, I think it's it helped me staying positive, knowing that we have a mission. We have to basically be out there coming up with solutions, uh, helping our uh, customers. Uh, keeping members engaged through some solutions we have at Matrix and different things like that so um maybe I'm I'm not just trying to avoid the extra pr- uh, pressures I think I'm uh, by um you know just artificially trying to stay positive but I think it really is I think we actually are uh we're doing some things helping our our customers and that's keeping us all positive right now
1: yeah yeah I mean I mean trying to Uh, you know, at least paint a picture that has some light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that's it. I think it's so important to understand your vision and your mission and to be able to stay on track to that and just know that maybe the goals, the interim goals might be pushed out a little bit further. And and Desmond, you know, with you guys, um, a bigger company, um, you probably sit at the nexus of a a lot of this with, uh, with your employees. And uh certain areas for fitness connection were shut down quite a bit longer than than other areas for fitness connection and uh one of the things we've all talked about a lot is keeping uh keeping employees engaged during this and i don't i don't think we kid ourselves that it's perfect or that you're going to keep everybody engaged right i mean you can you can do your best um but as a larger company what are the, some what are some of the things that you guys have done and as you've reopened like have have people been able to the you know bring people back on
5: yeah
0: so um it's interesting we really used this horrible situation to really look at how do we reset fitness connection because before covid there were definitely some things that we weren't getting right um you know and so we really looked at how do we turn this crisis into opportunity. And so what I mean by that is, when we were closed for um, two months, we did things like we implemented um, a nonprofit. So that way, when our employees came back online, we had a, a system, a structure to help folks that maybe aren't able to pay their rent or you know uh, basic needs, things like that. Um, we totally revamped, um, you know, the way that we've structured our team. So going from a specialist model to a generalist model, because now it that builds in career pathing um, for our employees. So we really looked at, you know, some of the engagement surveys and the data that folks gave. Um, we deployed surveys even when our folks were furloughed. Um, we sent out surveys asking, you know, what shifts do you wanna work? How do you wanna work? You know, are you willing and able to come back? You know, just asking to get feedback. And even when they came back, we continued these pulse surveys and it may sound very small in nature, but that was that was not the norm uh, for Fitness Connection to just um, seek to understand, be vulnerable um, and then implement an action based on what, you know, our employees had to say. So it was really cool to see, you know, Um, in a crisis where our employees are like, wow, this is like a brand new company because we really leveraged uh, that downtime, so to speak, Um, because it wasn't really downtime, we were (laughs) busy behind the scenes, but um, we used that to really reset uh, the organization. And even as we've come back online, because to your point, we were able to open up Texas first and then Nevada, and then just recently within the last week or so, open up North Carolina. Um, I, you know, stayed in contact with the teams and really talked about, you know, at the end of the day, none of us has, have gone through this before. So there's going to be some things that we don't know. And so then you have to rely on previous experiences um, and, and figure out how do you change and adapt based on previous experiences. Right. The other thing is you have to be vulnerable. We don't know what members, what employees are experiencing covid Firsthand, may have lost a loved one. So, patience is everything. How you talk to people is everything. Being authentic and and empathetic. So, really going back to basics in terms of leadership 101 um, skills and just reminding people of how they interact with
1: folks. Did you guys um, have like just very specific leadership training that you bring people through? Like, you identify maybe somebody that is, uh, you know, can serve a couple roles higher and then do you take them through your own leadership training?
0: You know, great question. So um, we don't have anything formal, uh, oddly enough. So um, my role is new to the organization. So a lot of the things that we've been doing have been more grassroots. So I've started with the team just doing some basic kind of training in terms of self-awareness. You know, so at least you can start to understand, okay, what do I need development on Um, also just how you uh talk to your employees so i always tell people that no matter um how you look at it you can be in any industry people are going to leave your organization for three reasons one is that that manager relationship right and that the culture and the way that they treat you and talk to you things like that Two is, do I feel like I have an opportunity to learn and grow? So even if I'm not getting promoted, but just do I have an opportunity to just learn some skills? And then third is, do I feel like I have, I'm have? at least getting paid for what this position is worth um, in terms of just basics for the job? So even if you're getting paid really well, if your manager is not great, uh, you're gonna leave. If your manager's great and you're getting paid really well, but you don't have opportunity to refresh skills, you're gonna leave. So for me, our training, um, even though it's informal, has really centered around it has to hit those three things in terms of um, the goals.
1: Got it. Okay. So um, during this crisis, sometimes you know uh, people reveal themselves in sort of negative ways, and and uh, we won't we won't go there. But what I what I would ask any of you right now is: Have there been somebody um, that you work with? a peer or maybe an employee that has revealed themselves uh, during this crisis uh, that sort of took a leadership role that has surprised you? Lisa?
3: Yes, um, my uh, administrative assistant stepped up to the because um, one of my team leaders over kids club and our summer camp program and our kids club area um, she also oversaw the laundry department and she had a very hard time during covid so um, we the senior management team we got together and my administrative assistant said well I'll step up to the plate, and I'll take that area over, and I know we're on a freeze with raises right now. I'll just do it. I'll just make it happen, and it it is running smoother than it has ever run, and the team leader that we, you know, took that department from she is smiling more than I've seen her smile in the last year. So it was a win-win situation for us.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Who, who else too? Cause that, that's interesting because that also speaks to what Deslin I think was saying a little bit about going from a specialist model to a generalist model. And I think that's happening at Fitness Connection, like right at the front lines where people can kind of cross over and do more things. And I think probably just out of, you know, a lot of this for a lot of us is out of necessity with revenue down and, and you know, not the entire staff staff returning. Uh, Maria, what have you seen there as far as new leadership that may have uh, emerged uh, for Club Fitness?
2: So we have a very slim group of people working right now. We all are wearing whatever hat is needed front desk, cleaning, swimming, cleaning the pool, whatever is needed, we're doing it. But um, there is few people that come to mind. There is one um, young guy that has been working with us in different departments. He has been membership before. He has helped us with the front desk, but he has a very soft approach. So there are times where people would see him as maybe not the strongest, just because he's so spoken It's just very kind, but you have to get to know him. And um, during these crises, he has been everything. We need him for anything, and he's there. You know, we need Trevor at the front desk. We need him membership. We need him playing with the kids. We, whatever we need, he has been just stepping up to the plate. Um, We have the um, two coaches from Parisi, who also we don't have a director right now, and they are just like holding the tent, doing everything, calling parents, calling coaches, bringing teams in. So I have to say, I think. Not one person, couple of people have just like rise the occasion and rise to the occasion, and they are just like taking ownership. And um, it's just great to see them shine, to see them just like have the opportunity that maybe otherwise they would have not had, because somebody else would have been in that position.
1: Yeah, so God, that 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 reminds me of the you know really good leaders tend to be really good team players you know they tend to be really good followers when they need to be can't i mean do you see that
4: yeah i mean i i was yeah. of that as everybody's talking about uh, you know it's really hard to pick one because we've had so many that have stepped up i mean i'm so proud of our team that uh that they stepped up in the way they have um but <clears throat> i will say that um one of the one of the, uh, one particular person i'd say our ownership uh, because of Jason Lowe, um, has made the decision early on that he was not going to furlough. And I know that a lot of companies just can't do that. But he made the decision to not furlough and to make sure that our entire team was there to be able to be responsive and be there for our customers when they need to be. Because uh, if, if we're furloughing a lot of our sales team, then it's harder to get uh, um, in contact with maybe us as a company. He made that financial commitment. And I think that's did two things one it did it make us more readily available to our customers which we think is a good thing but it also sent a message to our team and he's even said before that um, um we're we are family and we take care of our family so i think that sent a, just a such a great message to our entire staff that everybody's just so fired up and so proud of uh, our company and um i think everybody's then s- has stepping up well beyond what we expected everybody to do that they're, they're all stepping up so not one particular person, but I'd say also if there's anything, it might be our ownership. I'm really proud of how they stepped up.
1: Yeah, you know, that they know now that, you know, the team has their back, right? And I I think that, and and Chris, why don't you speak to that just a little bit about, um, because that, you know, you can test your leadership when, you know, your, your, your gym floods on a Sunday and you're the only one there and you pick up the phone to make a call, and uh are people gonna come in and help, right? I mean, like do people have do people have your back? Chris, do you wanna?
5: Yeah, no, I think it's interesting. Obviously, uh the, the two companies are fairly small right now, but my operations manager for consulting, who will also be heavily involved in the new venture, uh it was the what can I do to help attitude. And you know, not having you because know, as a leader in a smaller company right now, I feel badly, you know, sometimes saying, Hey, I need this, I need this, I need that. Uh, but it was the proactivity that she had to say. What do you need me to do? What can I do? And then bringing ideas together. And I think all of that, that, that attitude ties into what Kent was saying is the overall culture. When you believe in the company that you work for and you're in line with their purpose, mission, vision and values uh, you're in and you're willing to do whatever it takes because you actually believe in it. You're not just an employee. You truly are a team member. And I think, I think that's key, you know, so it is really like, as Kent said, it's culture first. When you, when you develop the culture and says, you know, what we're doing has massive meaning. And you're an important part of this journey. uh, You get those people that are willing to step up. And then just uh, kind of ancillary, you know, leaders that I've worked with that have their own clubs during this pandemic. The ones that really stepped up were the ones a that were very humble and asking for support. So reaching out, can you help me write this copy for our members? What strategies do you think? And just a very humble way saying, you know, saying, you know, that reaching out for support thing. And then the second piece is these leaders that have empathy. I think that's a really really key thing right now and and it's challenging because we're all going through our own stuff and then to be empathetic with with our staff is is challenging uh marissa or maria uh on our thursday night call there's a gentleman there and and it actually came on the heels of that call where the one night we got in talking about empathy and de-escalating situations when sometimes your initial instinct is to be combative or argue back or be defensive and the very next day uh, his club was shut down in new york for a long time uh, he he reached out to me the story he says based on the conversation that we had last night I handled the situation totally differently than I would have prior to this and it was um they were shut down and their only revenue came from some outdoor program that they had I think it was summer camps or something like that um and there was a big power outage and he ended up being down for 2 days which was a massive loss like 20 grand in 2 days or something like that and what turns out was power's was back on within 24 hours but his maintenance Gentleman who had been great for years, just didn't flip the breaker. So that was a whole day based on one small mistake. So he goes, what I wanted to do initially was bring him into my office and ream him and tell him if this ever happens again, you're gone. And he said, he literally took a deep breath and said, how are you? How are you doing with this whole thing? And the guy immediately got defensive anyway. And then after letting the guy rant for a minute, he said, I didn't ask you about any of that. I asked you how you were, and at that point, the guy got super emotional, and, and, and there were several things going on in his life. He lost his brother, couldn't visit his mom, who was out of the country, uh, he, he was, uh, I think he was out of thyroid medication, but was terrified because of COVID to go to the doctor to get it, so he had gained weight. All these things were going on, he ended up crying, and then, without my, my friend saying anything, he's like, I am so sorry about that mistake, I know it was crucial, it'll never happen again, and since that day, he's been absolutely stellar. So I think, you know, the, these leaders that are humble, that are willing to reach for support and really willing to put themselves in their team member's shoes and see it from their point of view and, and leading with empathy. Those are the people that I feel have really stepped up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think sometimes I think of the areas where, God, dang it, I think God, I wish I would had done that different, <laughs> you know, and so that, that's the next thing I'm going to ask you guys about is in your own leadership style or in your own leadership. What what is the thing that you that you look at sometimes and say you you find yourself maybe going down that path and wish that you could kind of pull yourself back in or um, some place that you really want to get better and, I'll, and so I'll I'll share mine I I tend to sometimes advocate too hard for something before I have inquired enough I move to advocacy before inquiry sometimes and sometimes I need to step back and do a lot more inquiry before I advocate for something. And I, and I feel like I make that mistake um, frequently. I'll tell you the other mistake I make a lot. And, and I think this just comes from, you know, being behind the eight ball so many times you can't count having your head down and keep driving. Is I don't celebrate many victories. I, just, I, I don't. I mean, it's, and, and I think it's a, you know, I have to really be incredibly conscious of that. In order to celebrate some of these small victories with the team that I think are so powerful, so I'm going to open that up to anybody that wants to that wants to talk about that. Like, what what are what are some of the things that you struggle with as a leader?
2: So I will tag along to your uh, no celebrating. <laughs> I am a very competitive person, you know. Just growing up as an athlete, I think it was just you know you train, you race, you win, you lose, you're ready for the next one. So that has been just my motto with everything. You know, I train, I go, I do it, but you know, it was great or it was not too great, but then next day that's that restart button. And that works for me, but I have to think about everybody else that is working with me. Some of them are not competitive. Some of them are great people. Some of them are great employees, but they are not seeing life and everything with my eyes. So how can I get them, you know, to be part of that in place that, you know, just be sitting on that bus on that seat where they have that place and they're not the drivers. So that is one. And then the other one is, is the drive. You know, I think the drive it's great, but I have to understand where everybody is at their own times. And then during this time, it has been very challenging. Just because I want everybody just to pull in together right then, you know, like front line and not not, not everybody feels the same. Not everybody acts the same. So, yeah, how can how can I be patient and start moving that needle slowly, you know, and celebrate that tiny move? It's
1: yeah, so you know, I think the celebrations don't have to even have to be much, right? It can it can just be acknowledgement that something that we had a win, you know, and, and and while you're shut down, there's probably there probably are a lot of wins that we're not really equating to business outcome, but there's probably probably a lot of wins in there. Lisa,
3: which one do you want, Blair? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I too, struggle a lot, like Maria, with patience. Um, I get very defensive when it comes to our company. And I sometimes feel like every single employee should care and think and act and live the Corpus Christi Athletic Club 100% of their day, seven days a week, 24 hours. And realistically, I I just sometimes catch myself and I have to pull myself back and take a breath and say, everybody isn't there. And it's our job to engage them and encourage them and educate them so that they learn as much as they can about the company so that they will have a passion and a drive just like the upper management does. That's one thing. And another thing is I tend to be pretty hard on my team leader management staff. Even during the crisis, I felt like I needed to push them to be the best that they could do. Um, I needed to give them goals. I needed to drive them and And I've realized during this crisis, there's more to life than that. There's compassion. There's employees that are going through a lot. And if we don't slow down and look at our employees and ask them how they're doing and ask how their family's doing, um, we're never going to be able to be that compassionate leader that we all need to be.
1: I I think that is such a good point to remember to ask how somebody's doing to Chris's story. What Chris was saying, too, is just, how are you doing, you know, and, and, you know, how are the kids doing? And I think that, you know, that's a that's another part, I think, for a lot of us as leaders that are uh, competitive and drive hard. Those are the things that I think we really have to remind ourselves of, you know, I mean, that's a that's a harder thing to do a lot of times. And, um, Deslin, what would you add to that?
0: You know, I've been sharing this model um, with uh, my club teams around um, what kind of leader do you really wanna be during COVID-19? And essentially this model talks about, there's the fear zone, um, you know, just worrying about, well, am I gonna catch it? You know, what will happen next, things like that. Um, and then there's the learning zone where you're doing as much as you can to learn information, learn your new role. Um, But then there's also the growth growth zone um, where you can, where you really start, you're living in the present, but you're really focusing on the future. And you're really looking at how do you change and adapt. And so one of the things I learned about myself through this is I wanted everybody in that growth zone, you know, and so similar to what a lot of folks are saying is I had to step back and really put um, structure around, not only for myself, but our leaders in terms of how do we help those that are, are in the fear zone? Because rightfully so, they can be there, that's okay. Um, so a lot of it is what um, some of you have already mentioned. So the first thing is you know really meeting early and often. So um, what I was finding was that a lot of our leaders, we were going so fast that we were forgetting to communicate. You know, we're just expecting people to, to be in our head. Um, and I really said we need to overly communicate because when people are fearful, they start making stuff up in the absence of information. Um, and also be okay to say if you don't know the answer because in COVID, we didn't know everything, right? We still don't know everything. Um, you know, being vulnerable with asking um, for feedback, and then also being deliberate about providing structure um, for folks, because I found that when people are anxious or fearful, they're, they're needing you to help them, support them in terms of what's next. So what does that look like in terms of goals and what you're wanting me to do? And the so part of what we did is, you know, we um, revamped the roles that we had. we've um, communicated goals for people that are realistic with you know the environment that we're in um, and then i think maria was saying and, and then celebrating the successes right even if it's small wins even if it has nothing to do with revenue but just celebrating those successes so putting that structure and communicating that to folks um, has helped me and then also uh, my teams
1: yeah i could it you know the creativity that's been needed from our teams in order to deal with mandates and and you know customer fear and and we have seen a ton of creativity but it's so hard to be creative if your mind is fearful right Mm -hmm. i mean it's really we get we become very myopic and and narrowly focused and I, i think that you know a big role of that leader is to is to um help people feel safe so that they can be creative, because it is just it is impossible to unleash creativity when we have so much fear. So I think getting people out of that fear as fast as possible that's a that's a great framework. Thanks, thank you, deslin I wanna I, w- I wanna talk a little bit about your own growth during this. Like, what have you what have you observed in yourself, uh, your your own growth? Like, what have you gotten you you think will serve you uh, even better in the future? Kent, I'm gonna start with you on this so i uh, we talked about mentorship that you've learned from uh the the ceo at uh, matrix and but for you personally like what growth have you witnessed in yourself that you think will help you be a better leader
4: um i guess going back to almost the, even the previous question i would just kind of echo some of the things that um maria and uh, lisa had mentioned about basically the um the the staff employees are maybe are at different levels and i would say that uh we have some just phenomenal um, members on our team that really push hard and, and uh, really do a great job. And I tend to be probably a little too consumed, um, just like we are. We're all competitive, but almost too consumed with our business and too consumed with the growth of our, our company. And I tend to maybe t- in the past to take a nap for granted and that uh, that everybody else would be uh, at that same level. And they, and they have been but I take it for granted sometimes. And I think what's happened right now is, uh, with everything going on, I, it makes me, I guess I step back and realize that, well, um, everybody has things going on in their life. And that, uh, you know, I, I myself have basically realized that basically you take a step back and maybe get a little bit more of that uh, uh, work-life balance and, and uh, trying to basically appreciate that a little bit more and then, and not take our team for granted that they are also running, you know, Mach 5 at all times uh, to try to basically get the growth and, and, and get everything done right away. And that things are happening in people's lives right now, and that uh, and all its different sorts of things. So, I think that's ha- helped me grow to basically realize what's going on with with COVID and everything that's been going on. And that's not even COVID. I mean, quite honestly, it's what's going on in our, our society right now. I mean, there's a lot of tension out there right now. Yeah. And I think that uh people have things going on in their lives. And uh it's it made me step back to realize right now that we we all have things going on and I need to give everybody that uh, appreciation, that space and, and be empathetic towards that.
1: Yeah, so uh Chris, um you know what what about what about you? Because I mean this has been you, you started off talking about empathy and then I think Kent's point here. And I'm, I'm feeling like, you know, th- this crisis and, and with everything else that's going on, I, I, I feel like the leaders that are left standing are gonna be those that showed the most empathy. You know, that, that's starting to really reveal itself that the, that the leaders that are gonna move forward are those that were able to understand the intense fear that probably um, their teams have and that they're probably watching way too much news. And uh, you know, and that—that's—that's that's fueling possibly a lot of that. Just that the, I mean, the world feel when when all we're doing is consuming that, we start to feel like that's that's the normal part of life. Is that it's constantly negative and 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 fearful. And Chris, how have you grown uh, as a leader during this?
5: You know, what's funny is uh, I mean, I read and study a ton, and. Uh, especially not just on topics like leadership, but you know, communication, mindfulness, stress management, and sort of even the physiology of that that sort of thing. Um, but there are those light bulb moments and, and they're helpful, right? So I think the first thing that I make sure to really focus on, especially given the crisis that we're in is that uh, the way we feel is the way we feel and it's the way we're wired. So when negative news comes in or stressful situations, we don't choose to have anxiety, be anxious or have a you know, pitter-patter in our chest or butterflies, that's a physiological response to stress, right? It's our fight or flight mechanism kicking in. So I think the first thing is to be okay with that and realize, you know, I should feel kind of off and just accept that that's the way we res- our body naturally responds without any thought to stressful situations, which just increases anxiety. So I think the recognition of that. I was on a, a, a kind of a random panel early on in this and um, one of the panelists said the most simple of things. And he said, I just, I just don't focus on what I can't do. I focus on what I can do. And those simple words it just super resonated because I think a lot of us, you know, it's it's like life. We look back, what if I had done this different or what if, should I have done this? Or, you know, we focus on what's either happened or then we just obsess, like you said, with the media. And we can't go outside. We we can't train inside. We've got to be, t- you know, we focus on all those things. And guess what? That's our reality. And the only thing we can control is our reaction to that reality. So, so flipping your mindset to, to not, just, hey, we can't do it, we can't do it. That is what it is. We're not going to change that. So, what can we do? And that leads to innovation, inspiration, more motivation. And and I think that's key. That's like even what, us with our new outdoor venture. We're, we're super excited. And we were about to do another brick and mortar deal. And why bang our heads against the wall? We don't know when that, you know, to open a new one right now, we don't know when that's going to be a good idea. Probably not for a while. So, we can't do it. Out of sight, out of mind. Let's go. Let's move on to the, this other venture. I think that's really important. And I think the other sort of little mindset piece is, uh, I refuse to use the word problem. It's simply a challenge, because problems are something that gets you down, that holds you back, that stop your momentum. Challenges, though, for competitors like Maria, ooh, a challenge. And mm-hmm. what I found through this whole thing is, I I kind of like a little bit of a little bit of crisis. Not not, <clears throat> not a lot. Trust me, I'd I'd rather not have a crisis. But you know, you look at the crisis as a challenge. Like, how are we going to continue to live our mission, vision, values at the end of this? It's going to look different, and that's okay. You know, don't get hung up on the nostalgia piece. What, what we did was great for a long time. It's different now. And we'll always have those great memories. And so we do it differently. As long as we're accomplishing the mission that we're looking to do, it's not a problem. It's a challenge. Just keep your, your mindset there. And that's something that I've worked really hard on throughout this. And, you know, I, I, it helps keep me pretty positive and optimistic.
1: Yeah, I got that, 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 that's excellent. And I think, you know, one of, the, one, of the, one of the challenges for a company when things are going, you know, swimmingly out there is to maintain a sense of urgency. You know, and, and I'm I'm hoping that this helps. I think every company should maintain some sense of urgency at something. And and personally, for me, that's one of the things my Rex Roundtable has helped me with over the last whatever, how many years I've been on there, you know, 15, 16 years, is it helps me maintain a sense of urgency to get better. You know, I've got this group to answer to and I've got in you and th- those of you on a roundtable when when your roundtable's coming, when you know they're coming to visit you in a year. And they're going to be at your gym. What, is, what does that do for you, right? I mean, I've never spent so much money. No, uh, <laughs> I think that that's, of, you know, trying to maintain the sense of urgency to, uh, to, to constantly get to get better, is an important thing. And maybe, maybe something we learn from this, right? Not to feel like you're in a crisis all the time, but how do we maintain a sense of a sense of urgency? And we're we have about 10 minutes left. Um, one of the things I want to uh, ask you guys is about what keeps you up at night, and 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 why. I mean, I think uh, I have my 3 a.m. you know wake up call many nights of the things that uh, you know are on my mind, weighing heavy on my mind, and it, it's all those things that, you, that the the unknowns, and to one's points, that kind of puts you into that fear zone, and then you got to move into the learning zone. Now I'm gonna. You know, the way I deal with that is I work out every single morning before 5 a.m. or right at about 5 a.m. And it is it is unbelievable how that says, okay this I can control. I can control this piece now that sets a precedent. Now I can start to think about what is that quarter step, half step or full full step that I can take so i want to i want to know what are the things that keep you up at night right now and can't i'm going to start with you and then we'll we'll it will go around
4: um that's a good question i i think probably maybe there might be two things one is uh, number one is am i doing enough i think that um at the end it's hard for me at night to go to sleep because i'm always thinking all right did i have I done everything I could be doing? Is there something more I can be doing? Am I on top of uh, all the details? So that's one thing that I guess maybe keeps me up at night. The second one is more, and I I realize COVID has been a horrible um, situation and and crisis for everybody and it's affected so many lives. And I know that's uh, a tough deal, but I even go back right now, this even more just, I think, People in general, it's it's causing stress and people under stress. Sometimes the ugly comes out. And I think that right now there's a lot of ugly out there. And so I think that's what keeps me up at night sometimes is how much ugly is going on out in the society. And that really the solution we have working out. So, you know, <laughs> Every state should be allowing an uh, indoor fitness immediately and letting people come in and work out because that's gonna help them with their stress and help them with them feeling better. And maybe we can get rid of some of this ugly. So that's what keeps me up at night. Yeah, you know, th- that's interesting.
1: When you're saying that, I'm, I am realizing with myself, there's sort of two versions of keep me up at night. There's the literal one that has me wake up at 3 a.m. And then there's sort of the figurative one Right, that doesn't necessarily wake me up at 3 a.m., but I would put it in the category keeping me up at night. And, and I think you just hit on one of them for me right there, sort of the general ugliness that's that that's been out there, and and because of the stress. So feel free to feel free to put them into two categories if you want, sort of the the general and the the Literally, I wake up and and can't that I'm not doing enough peace. Wow, that's a that is a big one and and I think for a lot of us that grow up as entrepreneurs where you open your own business and, and you're the person I am the leader and I am the team and I am you know and, you know it's a small company and everything depends on you and you're doing everything and then you grow the company it's really hard to get out of that mindset yeah you know, I was fortunate enough to spend three years at medallion there were so many resources there and i I just it was so hard for me to tap into those resources. You just get into these habits of, am I personally doing enough? When you have all these, you know, resources around you that, that you can lean on. I've also learned that that's had that uh, through two different crises, right? The last financial crisis and this one for me. It's hard for me to be on vacation. It's I, it's that's hard for me, and I and I, you know, like I'm not doing enough. I, so I, I really, uh, really uh, appreciate that as something that uh, would keep me up at night as well. Chris.
5: So literally, uh, my 70 pound pit bull who decides she needs to sleep like a uh, human <laughs> and I'm not even putting like head on the pillow, and she's about 70 pounds, like three feet long, but then somehow stretches to six feet long and <laughs> snores. And so that that's one thing that literally keeps me up every night. Um, figuratively though, it's, it's the vacillation between excitement and anxiety, right? It's, it's trying to remain focused on the opportunity. And I hope it doesn't sound negative, but, you know, despite all the hardships and and the clubs that will close and the, and the models that will close, it is going to leave a lot of opportunity and fitness is going to look a lot different. Um, So that's really the thing. But then I worry, okay, what if the new brand doesn't make it? Or, you know, what if this drastically changes? So for me, it's just. Trying to keep that sort of focus on what you can, not what you can't, sort of, you know, problem versus challenge mindset. But it's, you know, as, as, as easy as it is to say, and I'm good about it most of the time, uh, there's still a time where that just goes away. And I'm like, what are we going to do? This is crazy. We're going to have a second wave. So it really just for me, it's just the unknown and the anxiety that comes with that.
1: Yeah. And I think anytime you're starting up a new venture, there are things that keep you up at night. There's also the things that keep you up at night that are very positive. You know, I have that 3 a.m. wake up call sometimes because it's just an idea that, oh, man, I've got to get on top of it. So that's great too. feel free, feel free. And whenever you start <laughs> an adventure like like Chris is, you know, that can be the stuff that keeps up at night. Like, loose ends or oh, my gosh, here's a way to market this. or Yeah. Yeah. yeah
5: but Glenn, I got to tell you, I'm the same as you. So I work out, you know, about 5 a.m. every single morning. I tend to wake up with the new ideas, the positive stuff. So when I actually wake up, I'm like, here's and I write them down right away. And then right. I guess I, get, I guess I just deteriorate throughout the day. But between that and my workout is when my best thinking and ideas happen. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yep. I guess same here. Same here, Lisa.
3: I, I, Blair, I think it's the overwhelming responsibility that I feel right now. Um, during the crisis, it's the responsibility that I have to the owner. The responsibility I have to my employees to keep them employed, and then my responsibility to the members because I'm I we use Medallia surveys and I'm I'm overwhelmed with feedback that when are we going to have all of our classes back? When are we going to be at normal capacity? When are we going to have normal hours? And you know, it it might not ever be normal. And as a leader, I feel that responsibility of the whole world. And I know that that's out of my control and I need to just push back and say, hey, Lisa, you can't control the world. So just work on it one day at a time.
1: That oh, man, I gotta tell you, I that right now, I'm going to speak a little bit for uh, Kent and other other suppliers and vendors that I that I talk to a lot. Um, I think that are the the matrices the you know a, a lot of the suppliers and vendors are feeling an overwhelming responsibility to help bring the industry back. That's what they talk about, and that that's why I think you're seeing so much collaboration between competitors and everything. That they feel an overwhelming responsibility to lift the industry. And that I am so immensely proud of. You know, but that is, I that can be just that's where you've got to find like what what is my, you know, where do I find my solace? You know, where do I find that? For me, it's get home, sit down with my dad, have a glass of wine, sit, you know, Jackie and I, my dad's sitting in the backyard, relaxing, that little just that moment of peace that you gotta have you know to to kind of counteract that overwhelming responsibility that's awesome maria
2: so i feel the pressure of you know i think to Kent's um saying of am i doing enough you know am i doing enough at work as a leader in the community as you know from from being a mother being a daughter you know like am i giving everything and um, you know, I keep getting invited to like different boards, and you know, like just being more involved. And I'm like, can I fit this extra one in? You know, can I add more things to my calendar? You know, yes, it's only one hour. Um, we can all do this. So I just, I feel that I just keep putting pressure on myself on helping and giving more. I feel that there is a call for me to make a difference. So um, that keeps me up. I think those ideas that you said, Blair, um, they come at any time, two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning. I was not a night person. I think I have become a night person. Um, the influence of this group on Thursday nights is like the longest Zoom ever. And I don't want to miss anything. So i we have a Zoom call until 2 a.m. You know, it's just like, it's its great. but. Um, but I think, you know, like for that, then I wake up, I write down whatever is in my head, um, and then I try to go back to bed. And that actually works pretty well because then my, my brain is not thinking on that idea that is coming on at that specific moment. And how did I deal with it? How did I balance it? I balance it playing water polo, working out, and dancing. So during COVID, water polo and dancing were unplugged from my schedule. So that one was very tough. They're back again, so I'm, I'm able to get some of that balance back in my life.
1: Feel a sense of uh, feel a sense of normalcy again, and and you uh, you said something there that I, I think we all need to remember about our teams and about um, members in general. Uh, right now, women seem to be carrying a, a huge amount of a workload out there um, that's affecting the industry as you know when they're doing most of the homeschooling they're expected to work and do homeschooling and it's you know uh, our kids clubs can't be open in a lot of our clubs and you know i think sometimes we, uh, we we forget about that and then you know we have some great operators out there that have some women's only operations and you know they're feeling that right I mean, it becomes very evident and how you do business is just what's happening with the lack of schools and the, um, and no kids club. And so Desalyn, I'm going to, I'm going to finish with you with, uh, you know, both, both either literally or figuratively about what keeps, uh, what keeps you up at night. All
0: right. Well, literally it's my six year old son, Brennan, because he was (laughs) at the four this morning, uh, in, in our bed. So that's literally, um, you know, but, When I think about COVID, I've really summed it up to people are really concerned about three things. First, safety, right? Um, So because this is a pandemic, so I'm constantly thinking about have we done everything we can to keep our employees and our members safe Um, beyond, you know, wellness checks and temperature checks and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so that that's one that I'm constantly thinking about, especially with the CDC guidelines changing and evolving. Um, the second one is everybody is wanting flexibility right now, uh, because to your point, Blair, you know, Kids Club isn't open. Folks are doing virtual schooling, you know, because they're scared to put their kids in in-person school. So I'm also thinking about what can I do to provide flexibility for our employees whether that looks like benefits whether that looks like how they're working um, teleworking things like that and then the third piece that i found is that people are really concerned about do i matter do i have a voice especially when you start to think about some of the um, diversity inequity kinds of things that have been going on um, in the us too so how can i make sure that our employees feel heard And that they matter. So, those, if I had to put it in buckets, that's generally um, what keeps me up at night. And what I keep saying to myself is that, um, you know, we are all in the same storm. So, even though we're not in the same boat, um, we are all in the same storm. And so, how do I, you know, put things in place? How do I communicate to our folks? Because at the end of the day, we're trying to change lives, you know, um, through fitness. Um, at Fitness Connection, but that's essentially how I sum it up in terms of what keeps me up at night.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think that's, a, I think what uh, Deslin, I think that's so important for us all to recognize just, you know, our industry, it, it, this is a noble cause in our industry. And as leaders, we should be proud um, to be leading a noble cause in this industry. And uh, now more than ever, um, we need to, as an industry, get others to recognize just that it is a noble cause. And, and I think we've all been a bit uh, shocked that everybody else didn't think it was the noble cause that, that that we think it is. right? I think this is an opportunity for us as leaders to make sure that that never happens, uh, never happens to us again. Uh, you guys, this is I uh, really appreciate your time on this and your uh, wisdom and you know 2020 is a supposed to be perfect vision and with everything that is happening in 2020 that uh, perhaps that is what this is right perhaps what we're what we're seeing here is a, a return to having a perfect vision of what uh, we should look like as an industry as a society as, as a world let's let's hope that's what it is and you guys appreciate you all so much thank you so much for participating in this thank you, Blair. all right thank, thank you Blair thank you club solutions thank you thank solution Bye-bye. Bye-bye. bye 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 bye